Welcome to a podcast with Aaron Schultz. Men's mental health matters. Live life with an outback mind. Thank you very, very much for joining in today, episode 235, with Mr. Simon von Solden, who's the CEO of Healthy Male. Now, we're going to talk today about loneliness, loneliness in men. Uh, it's a really interesting one. Uh, a lot of guys struggle, suffer with loneliness. It's amazing how we sort of come into life and then uh, things get in the way. We self-isolate. We, we basically um, disconnect ourselves from others. Uh, it's very easily done. Uh, we, don't, we don't really uh, know how to be emotionally aware enough to, uh, to notice the signs of when, uh, we, when we can become lonely and um, Probably stuck between our ears more, uh, so uh, rather than uh, you know going outside ourselves and um, and reconnecting and collaborating again. And um, I know you know firsthand. Um, uh, I've had some trials and tribulations over the years where I've, I've I've had to change various things in my life, and there's been moments of that absolutely uh, feeling you know a little bit lonely and that too. But um, thankfully, I've been able to have the tools to be able to work through it, and uh, I guess you know. Our purpose uh, as a charity is to be able to give more people those tools so they can, um, I suppose, more for, uh, feel more connected and collaborate and uh, have prevention strategies in their life where they can uh, they can um, you know, manage uh, the loneliness uh, when it actually comes in and know what to do to be proactive about it. So Simon and I are going to have a really good chat about that today. Uh, some of the, I suppose, statistics around loneliness and how it's affecting uh, Australian males. Uh, it's very um, uh, you know interesting to see that uh, uh, smoking is up there. Sorry, um, loneliness is up there with smoking with regards to some of the um, the potential health issues that, that's caused by it. So um, someone's going to obviously give us a lot more information and um, I suppose ideas around that and what it actually is and how it's actually uh, making a, a huge difference. Uh, or sorry, uh, impact into the uh, the mental health um, uh, landscape in Australia at the present time. So. Sure, you're going to enjoy this chat. Please uh, reach out to us um, uh, if you'd like to communicate with us via email support at outbackmind.org.au. Please have a look at our website outbackmind.org.au. We'd really appreciate uh, some donations if you're able to help us. Um, uh, we're just a grassroots charity that uh, that basically survives on donations pretty much at the moment, and um, uh, we want to be able to do more to help more guys out there and also uh, prevent prevent more domestic violence in males. So I think. If we can do more to be able to connect males, but also teach them how to uh, manage their emotions, then there's going to be less episode of this uh, type of stuff moving forward. We've got a really reactive culture with regards to, to domestic violence and, and mental health. It's time to prevent, um, you know, and do more to collaborate with each, each other to uh, to look after each other and make sure that um, you know everyone is um, functioning through life well. Pretty, pretty sure you'll enjoy uh, enjoy this chat and uh, really appreciate your feedback. Cheers. G'day, Simon. How's things? Very good, mate. Uh, I'm, I'm actually um, I'm a bit worried about you down in Melbourne at the moment, freezing. I hear, I hear it's only like 12 degrees down there today. Is that right? 
Yeah, look, Aaron, we won't talk about the weather. It's, uh, <laughs> you're always going to win that one. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that we're in the, in the same country, but we've got so much diversity as well uh, with that and, and, and a variety of different things. But, um, mate, I'm really grateful to have you on for the chat and um, uh, we're going to talk about some pretty important stuff today. But um, firstly, I'd like to know a bit about yourself and um, uh, where, you, where you're from and how you basically ended up in, uh, in the role that you're in now. Yeah, look... Um I uh, grew up, uh, well, uh, look, it's with anyone with a surname like Von Solden, if you're not born in Germany, you've got to be born in Brosser Valley. <laughs> so, um, but then, because uh, uh, my old man was a winemaker, so uh, then we moved across to Bridgewater, just the other side of Bendigo, um, and it's pretty much where I grew up. Uh, and, yeah, it was great. I mean, I have to say, I, I just loved growing up in the country. Um, I loved the life I had as a kid, what we could do, you know, um, the crazy things we'd get up to. Um, and I, I sort of look at kids today and I do feel sorry for them in terms of um, what they can and can't do, but I'm sure they'd look at me and think some of the stuff I did was pretty dopey as well. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, and after finishing uni, um, I actually got uh, a job at a not-for-profit at the Royal Victorian Institute for the Blind and... Uh, working in public relations and did that for a long time and moved into tourism for oh, a good 15-odd years. Um, and that, that gave me the chance to see uh, pretty much all of Australia, um, which was fabulous, working in the caravan park industry. And uh, then actually came back into not-for-profits. I realised that I really did enjoy working in the sector and... It's some of the hardest work I've ever done, but it's actually the most rewarding. Mm, mm. And that's actually where... So when I was uh, approached about the job uh, at what was then known as Andrology Australia, and we changed it and called it Healthy Mail, you'll never guess why. I mean, with a, with a catchy <laughs> name like Andrology Australia. But I sort of looked at it and thought... I was. I wasn't at the start. I have to say, I wasn't wildly interested in it. The more I looked into men's health, the more I just sat there and went, well, "Why isn't anyone talking about this?" Mm. Um, I was staggered as to how under the radar it was and how how far it was flying under the radar. And I was like, I was thinking, well, you know, as a bloke myself and someone who's worked in the industry, in the health industry, I it didn't make any sense to me, and I. Um, and to this day, I am still staggered as to how challenging it is to get some of the issues that confront men and face men um, to be sort of front and centre. Uh, and so that's that's one of the real drivers for me is to make sure that we we get a lot of these issues and and just just get guys feeling more comfortable to talk about whatever it is. It doesn't matter what your health issue or concern is. I mean there will be another guy in the room who's had the same thing. Um, going to a GP, there is nothing you can embarrass a GP with. It's not possible. Um, so, you know, just just break down your own barriers and just go, you know what, I've got to confront this and do it. Um, and sometimes it's, you know, we're seeing the health systems moving more towards blokes, and that's good. Yes. Oh, mate. Lots of lots of you know um, light bulbs come up for me while you're speaking. Then, but um, 
You're right, and uh, and what's happened is uh, we've had a lot of intergenerational um, uh, things come into us with regards to not being able to be open about speaking about things. Um, you know, coming from a country town myself, that was a real trap. Uh, it was like I was in a cage for years to be able to not speak about uh, how I felt or whatever. But um, that was also trained into me, uh, and also a lot a lot through the school system as well. You know, back then uh, around. Um, uh, you know, being able to express your emotions and talk openly and honestly about things, um, you know, about your physical health, but also your, how you're going between the ears. And um, uh, I believe, um, you know, it's really, really vital for men uh, to to have, you know, uh, open conversations which clear emotions uh, consistently. Uh, you know, you and I spoke off air around... Um, some of the work we're doing up here with regards to getting men together and having conversations where they know they can feel safe and secure and be able to express how they, how they are, good or bad, on a regular basis because it actually just helps sweep, uh, you know, what's going on um, in our mind. And when you hear stories of yourself and others, it's so supportive uh, to realise that you're not the only one that may be going through a, a certain situation or whatever. And what that does is it, it brings collabor- collaboration and uh, and curiosity and and that um, between you know fellow men and um, I really believe we've been separated so much in many ways but to be able to come together and and, and have conversations which are on a level I think uh, you know are, are a great um, contributor to to our mental well being would you agree? Absolutely, and um, I think I think. You know, guys of, of our era, and I went through school sort of in the 70s and um, 80s, mm. and um, you, look at, you look at that and what you, what you weren't taught as much as what you were taught, mm. um, and, and how often there were sort of taboo subjects. You didn't talk about your mental health. I mean, it wasn't even a thing. I don't think the no. words mental health existed then. <laughs> um, and, and so... To learn, to try and learn that stuff as you get older is actually really challenging for a lot of guys because you get taught, I mean, you know, I grew up in uh, in a country town where, you know, you broke your leg, you just had to walk it off. Um, <laughs> and that was the sort of thing that guys did. That, that was the, the bloke's mentality. Don't whinge about it. Mm. And it's, that's really damaging. I mean, it's so damaging um, that... You've got fellows who think that I'm less of a person if I say that I feel badly or I'm, I'm actually physically hurting and I need to get some assistance or I'm mentally hurting and I need to get some assistance. Mm. That's, that's, a, that's a total wrong turn we've taken as society. Yes. Oh, but look, you know, what, what, what's happened there, Simon, is, is you've had a criticism come in early and uh, and that criticism, like a, a blow to the heart's more powerful than a blow to the body. Primarily, someone said something to you, you know, don't be weak, toughen up, uh, whatever it is, uh, as a 14, 15-year-old boy, while your brain's still developing, you automatically go back to that emotion when, um, when, when a situation occurs. And um, that's where we've got work to do. We've got work to do to be able to help people learn literacy around their emotions and know how to, to, to clear that sort of stuff that may have been stuck in them from an early age because that's so common. Um, you know, I, I was very much stuck in those, um, those emotions uh, when something was wrong, um, 
you know, you go back to the old way of thinking, which uh, is not relevant anymore. I think we've got such a better society in some ways now to be able to, to, to you know, talk openly and honestly about things. But there is still that fear factor within guys that, uh, that stop us from doing that. Yeah, um, you're right. And it's, it's um, generationally, it is getting better. Um, there are still so many challenges for us and things that we have to improve on. Um, and it also, I mean, we, you've, you've also got to... There are guys out there that have had trauma and um, all sorts of things occur in their life that they've got to get over those hurdles as well, which are, which are really, really big mountains to climb. Um, but the day they start is, is the best day for them in terms of starting that journey um, because you just continue to get better and understand yourself more. And that's, at the end of the day, that's actually what occurs, is you start to understand yourself more and you become more, more comfortable with yourself and you don't feel like you're trying to bite down on things and, um, and hide things. Yes, that's right, yeah. And, and, yeah, stuck in those emotions, like a lot of guys only operate in about five or six different emotions, you know. Uh, to be able to you know, become more aware uh, and accepting of yourself, I think, is really, really, really key. And that's such a hard thing for, for guys to do. I often talk about, you know, if we've got a, a circle of 10 guys, there's usually half of them that have had someone in their family that's gone to war. A lot of that trauma gets sort of brought back into the family and into the individual. And um, you know, that, that sort of stoic behaviour, but also that, that stuck mentality, um, you know, is, is quite relevant Really, to be able to help people learn to open up, I think is um, is key with 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 um, being able to embrace uh, the vulnerable aspect of, of their of their mindset, which uh, hasn't been tapped into at all. We haven't explored that part of ourselves, which I think can help us grow rather than sort of stay yeah, stuck. Yeah, it's, it's interesting what you say about the um, the guys who've gone to war. I mean, there's some research that shows that um, uh, diggers who were in the trenches in the First World War, um, and I think it wasn't actually done on Australian soldiers, the piece of research I think was Scottish, and it actually shows for the first time that um, the trauma and stress of that actually is carried through generations. Mm. So the offspring, uh, and I think it was the grandchildren of those those um, men in the trenches, were high, had higher levels of stress and anxiety than... Um, their their friends and um, peers mm. whose grandparents weren't there and, and didn't have it. Um, and for the first time, we're starting to understand that things like trauma and stress and these things can actually uh, be carried through um, through generations. Yes. Oh, uh, and that, that means we've got, we've, you know, our starting point in life uh, can, isn't quite the blank copy book we thought it once was. <laughs> No, that's right. Absolutely. A lot of intergenerational trauma which comes through, you know, and uh, that can come from both sides, you know, mothers and fathers. Um, uh, I, I spoke with... Well, as, yeah. as, we, as we know with, um, I mean, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders have been telling us for a long time that, in fact, the intergenerational trauma has, has, has gone on for them for over 200 years. Mm. Um, and the evidence shows that they're actually, they're right in exactly what they're saying. Yes. Absolutely. Well, we spoke off air about you know the, the wisdom of Indigenous Australians and other Indigenous cultures and um, what they're sort of saying is pretty much what science is sort of discovering many years later in many ways. Yeah, yep. yep. Now, with regards to loneliness, mate, 
how have we got to our, ourselves to uh, the stage that we're at in, in modern society? Look, loneliness is starting to, um, I suppose, uh, come up as something that is seriously concerning. And when you when people think about oh, it, you know, I mean, everyone feels a bit lonely occasionally, and, and that's right. I mean, it's a bit like sadness or anxiety or something. Those emotions do happen at times during someone's life. But when someone actually reports chronic loneliness, this starts to become concerning. So we did a large piece of research uh, about 18 months ago um, on about nearly 1,300 men right across Australia. Um, And we were quite surprised at what we found out. um, That um, we basically saw that out of all of the age groups, um, men who were 35 to 49 years of age were self-reporting um, high levels of loneliness. They were saying, so 53% of these men, one in two basically, said that they were lonely. Mm. Um, now, this can come from every, things that you just think are so normal in life, well, not normal, but, you know, happen in life. Being single, divorced or separated can, can do it. Um, living alone does it. Uh, Low income or poverty does it. Um, bereavement and having that, that challenge of getting over, over the loss of someone. Um, there are so many reasons why this happens. Um, but what we also know through other research is the impact of loneliness is really strong on things like other diseases. So loneliness and social isolation have effects on the risk of heart disease and stroke, um, they accelerate cognitive decline in older people, and um, if they decrease the so if you're feeling chronically lonely or if you're feeling lonely, you have lower physical activity, you're more inclined to be overweight, um, you have higher levels of smoking, and you greater alcohol consumption. Mm. None of that is very surprising when you think of it. Mm. Um, so. What what was also interesting was that the 18 to 34-year-olds were also saying that they were reporting high levels of loneliness. Now, so these old the old stories and the old urban myths of oh, as you get as you get older, you know, you get lonelier, just aren't true. Um, we see that there is loneliness that is occurring right across the countryside in men um, of of well, middle, what you would call the middle age groups. In fact, it's such a problem that in the UK and Japan in 2019, they put in place in their parliaments uh, ministers for loneliness because it's become such an epidemic over there. And in fact, just three weeks ago or two weeks ago, the US Surgeon General um, released a um, very large report on loneliness and the fact that, uh, in his opinion, it's going to be the biggest epidemic that they've actually had to confront and face uh, and they need to do something about it because it's going to actually take over their health system. Mm. So, yeah, just just on that, um, there's evidence there, obviously, with regards to what happened through COVID, but uh, other things which... uh, really separated people the impacts of loneliness can come in many ways they can be they they can obviously be um you know as a last resort suicide but um but you know depression anxiety all these uh, imbalances which can contribute to um 
various, um, you know, uh, I suppose, behaviours which inevitably, uh, you know, impact the health system, the law system, uh, you know, all, all different types of, um, I suppose, governance which can have a real impact on, um, on, on the way society flows. Yeah, and um, I mean, the thing is, you think logically about someone who is lonely and you can see all of the health things that would occur um, with it. Now, you think about that over a period of time and so the areas of health and well-being that would decline because of it, um, also, you can actually really, you, it's pretty easy to see where, they, where they're going to be. The interesting thing, though, is that for once, because nearly, nearly any health condition for men is worse in country areas than it is in city areas. Mm. For once, though, this doesn't seem to be the case. Um, when it comes to loneliness, um, they're roughly the same in city and country, but if anything, it's actually a bit better in the country. Um, and look, we don't have the evidence to support it, but having grown up in the country, I would think it's got more to do with the fact that um, there's better things for social inclusion in the country. There's, you know, in the city, I can, I can, easily, I can easily live in my house and not know my neighbours. Yes. Um, in the country, it's nigh on impossible. Right. You, it just doesn't work that way. So um, it's it's really good to see that, you know, in the country that uh, there are better in social inclusion um, things available. In the country, they've got to be manufactured... In the city, I should say, they need to be manufactured. So you need to have things which there's some great things around. There's a thing called Tough Guys Book Club. Mm. Um, everyone's heard of Men's Sheds. Um, there's men's table. There's there's a bunch of things that um, guys can do, and they can just turn up to on their own. Mm, mm. Yes, yeah, no, no, I, I agree, mate. <clears throat> to to give you an example, um, I, I went to my first men's circle uh, probably over ten years ago when I was living in Tasmania, just for the pure fact that I felt um, isolated, although I was married and had kids because. Um, I was working, my wife um, did everything. I felt like when I was with my kids, uh, I was absent because my mum was at, at work all the time. Uh, and uh, I felt lonely. You know, the only, other, only way I could feel connection was when I'd go and drink booze with, with blokes, you know, and that was, that was not good because you're only having surface level conversations which aren't getting to um, the depth of who you are at the end of the day. And, um, I found from that I actually like I heard myself in a lot of others, and you know from there I actually um, I started uh, to to run a men's circle um, in a different environment uh, in Tassie, and, and that was um, quite it was quite uh, slow to begin with with regards to participation rates, but the guys that came got really good value, and uh, it was like trying to sell ice to Eskimos to try and get guys to come to a men's circle. <laughs> You know, um, yeah. but anyway, to cut a long story short, I, I ended up uh, moving back to country Victoria and started them there. And same thing, guys would park their cars a kilometre or two away so no one would see them to come to this sort of thing. But if we had a free booze and barbecue, then they'd come to that no problem, you know. It's just to be able to have a conversation about how they're feeling is a different story for fear of judgment. But what, what I've noticed, you know, I've been so grateful to, to end up where I am and to be able to start... Uh, the charity that I have, the Outback Mind Foundation, and just watch how it's evolved with regards to guys 
wanting to come together to talk and express how, how they're feeling on a regular basis. Now, we have guys in this community that have come from all different parts of Australia, um, you know, people that, that are you know, professionals, um, you know, quite wealthy, just the guys that were um, you know, average, um, average people that were you know, um, tradesmen or, or worked in, a, you know, a, in a, uh, I suppose, a, 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 with a, a, an area where they got their hands dirty or guys that were unemployed, you know, it doesn't matter. So these guys are coming together, we're having, you know, conversations which are open and honest and, um, you know, once, once men start to hear themselves in others, they'll start to open up, but also it helps them build emotional uh, literacy and capacity and be able to, to move forward with their lives. And what, we, what happens with, with us guys is we get stuck. We get really stuck and um, it's very hard to be able to, to, to let that out. And once that actually happens, it's just like the lift's been li- um, you know, lifted off um, and we can start to move forward with our lives. But I really know what it's like to, to feel stuck and, uh, and, and that's pretty much what loneliness is because you're isolating yourself uh, you know, emotionally and uh, I really believe that we need to be able to express our emotions consistently just like we do go to the, the gym and do you know, work on our physical body. We've got to be able to work uh, our emotional body as well as our intellectual body to function well through life and, um, and that's why I, I just, I've noticed such a... Um, uh, such an embracing uh, culture with it uh, up here because guys are coming, they'll tell their mates, they'll come along. Uh, a few of them feel funny to start with because they're not having a beer, but eventually they start to, to feel comfortable and open up. And, and really that's what uh, that's, that's the essence of humanity. You look at Indigenous cultures, as we, as we discussed, they got together and they did things and they collaborated and supported one another. And um, you know, modern society has done a really great job of, of separating us <laughs> in, in many ways, you know. And, uh, and you look at uh, the Australian culture, the drinking culture um, is, is great on one, one hand because it brings people together, but also isolates and separates people in other areas as well. And people drinking at home on their own, you know, that's, that's not great. Um, but to be able to collaborate rather than separate, I think, is such an important thing to addressing the, the loneliness um, epidemic which you're, you're describing here. Yeah, and I suppose one of the things if, uh, and you know, to anyone who's listening who's thinking, well, gee, that's me they're talking about, you know, and, you know, I don't know how to get out of this. And so the first thing, the first few things to do are, um, and it's easy to say and it's, it's really harder to make that first step um, because some people drop off, drop connections because they, they're social, they feel themselves as being socially awkward. Um, and there's some really simple tools in terms of if you if you think you're socially awkward and you don't you know you don't know what to do or say, when you actually go and meet people, you focus on the other people. Don't don't think about yourself being awkward. Actually, just ask them questions. Ask them how they like what they do, where where they're from, what they're interested in, etc. And really, really work hard on, you know, it's, it's really easy when we get down and out and we start to feel depressed or anxious to, to compare ourselves to other people, thinking other people have got it better, other people have got it going on, other people... The fact of the matter is you don't really know what other people are going through, so, so don't bother comparing yourself to anyone else. Mm. Um, it, it's, it's, it's just a it's wasted time. Um, but do go out and do something because the more that you focus on yourself the worse you're going to be for it so you you need to go and become a part of something now 
there is an issue with loneliness and that is it's the quantity versus quality. Um, so there can be people who are members of all sorts of clubs and they're always busy and always active, but they've actually got no one that is what they would call a close friend or someone they can actually confide in. Um, so you can actually have a lot of connection and have and still be lonely. Mm. Um, that is quite possible. And that is what happens, we think, with these guys that are eight, uh, 35 to 49 years of age. They probably go out for a drink after work with some people, um, all sorts of things. But they don't actually have that person or those people in their lives where they have a real connection to. And sometimes you've got to work to, to make those. Um, and that's the bit where it's not going to happen overnight, but you've got to take a chance and you've got to put yourself out there too. Uh, guys, there was research done years ago um, that showed after the age of 40, guys actually find it really hard to make new friends. Mm. Um, and I sort of, when I, when I read the research, I sort of thought through groups of people I know and I was thinking, well, my probably three best mates I've known for ages. Like, you know, one of them I met when I was 16 and another one I met when I was in my 20s. And um, so for me, I suppose it, it holds true. Um, and I, I don't know how many guys, there's only a few people I know who are actually very good at still making meaningful relationships after that age. And they're the ones I actually try to focus on in terms of, okay, what do you do and how do you do it? Um, and mostly they're willing to put themselves out there. They're willing to say to, say to a bloke that, you know, they've met somewhere and they get along well and they have a good laugh. And they just go, oh, do you want to catch up for a drink or do you want to catch up for a palmer or... Um, Oh, you know, I've got to go down the street. That I'm in your area on such and such a day. You know, you want to have a coffee? Mm. Um, actually saying that and not just leaving a chance or feeling like you're a dill or whatever, um, it's, it's worth taking the risk because the worst thing that happens is what? They say no. Mm. Um, so it's, it's really worth putting yourself out there a little bit because... Some of the things that happen, I think, with younger guys, the 18 to 34-year-olds, is that their reasons for loneliness have been more recent uh, in a lot of cases. So theirs is they couldn't make friends when they were at school. Um, they might have been abused or had bullying at school. Um, it could have been from family conflict. Um, so they'll have a lot of really deep-set trauma that if they can't get on top of... Um, it's, it's more challenging sometimes to get on top of those things earlier and sometimes you need someone outside to help you. You actually need to go and talk to a, um, a therapist or someone who can actually say, okay, well, let's, let's work through this and get you through some of your initial anxiety to actually feeling like you're comfortable in these settings. Mm. And that's, that doesn't make you a weak person. That just makes you someone who's actually quite smart and going, okay, I know I don't have the skills here, so I've got to learn the skills and I'll go to someone who can teach me the skills. You do it if you're about to drive a car or whatever and you didn't know how to drive one. So I don't know why we think it's crazy or, you know, we're weak if we do it for our mental health or um, feeling better. Yes. Yeah, and also just to, to add to that, hearing like the lived experience of others too can be, can be really helpful. Someone that sort of uh, understands where you're at and, and can help you move through it. Um, is really important, but um, but yeah, being able to speak to, to someone, whether that be a professional or you know an NLP practitioner or uh, or someone that can actually help you 
change your pathway and uh, move forward, um, I think is really key. Uh, we're actually like really lucky now. We've got online resources um, to be able to communicate uh, too. But yeah. I think um, yep. there's nothing nothing better than than, than human contact. But um, but having the ability to be able to converse with people, we've just started like an online men's circle as well. Um, so you know to be able to get guys from anywhere to, to jump on board and talk about whatever and. It's amazing, you know, some of the, the guys that are on the land that get on there and just speak about the stuff that they can't talk to their wife to or they, they don't speak to um, people in their community about, you know. Um, they're actually feeling comfortable to come on to a, an environment and a setting like this um, and, and they can unlock you know, stuff that might take, you know, months at a psychologist possibly. Um, who knows? But um, yeah, to be able to actually, like, do that and express openly and honestly without fear of judgment and also hear someone else that's going through the same thing can be can be really helpful as well. Yeah, there was um, there was some research recently that that showed that um, men think that uh, admitting that they're lonely is um, is they've got it as being a more anxious uh, issue than actually admitting that they've got a mental health problem. Yeah. And and we think it's it's as simple as you sort of get back to, you try and get back to the root of everything and you go I mean a lot of guys would think that they look like a loser probably mm-hmm. if they say I feel lonely yes um, and it's there is like the stats aren't lying here like fifty three percent of men aged thirty five to forty nine years old said they're lonely mm-hmm. um, one in four said they're very lonely so that's I mean, the numbers are huge. So actually admitting, putting your hand up and saying, yeah, actually, I'm lonely, you know, and I'd like to do something about it because I don't want to feel like this forever. Mm. Um, the, the guys who do that, I absolutely take my hat off to them because they're the ones who will do something to change things. Um, and they can then help some other guys. They can be on the lookout for, you know, when there's a guy they think, oh, hang on, he's, you know, I might be able to help him out um, and just guide them down the right path. Yes. Yes. Oh, exactly right. Now, that's true. And, yeah, I think um, just, just talking a bit about what we're doing as well is it's being able to create an embracive culture where someone can, can pull someone along with them to, to, to take them on that path and, uh, and help them, help them um, you know, forward, uh, move forward because that, that's so... That's so um, uh, I suppose tremendous to be able to help someone like actually give you the the, the vehicle to, to, to move on and move through and support you and we've been able to sort of you know collaborate guys that have had experiences um, to, to take someone under their wing that's um, that may have been uh, on the same path or is on the same path to be able to help them and if as I mentioned before if they can hear their the story in someone else it can really can really help them move forward and I just think, yeah, we're, we're having this conversation at the right time for a reason because I really believe that, um, you know, this, um, this year and beyond where we've started to uh, realise the impact of, uh, of this um, as being not so much as an, an epidemic but a real serious um, socioeconomic issue that uh, we need to be able to work towards addressing. And, um, um, you know, it's probably been... a been a stuck um, uh, culture for many years where, where guys you know self-isolated or they um, they basically just were um, 
uh, as being being seen as being a loner or whatever, but no one actually like really understood them and uh, was able to potentially help them. And yeah, I think we can really turn things around to be able to you know embrace more individuals to help them you know thrive through life rather than just survive. Yeah, and it's 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 also not just it's not just up to individuals to address this. Um, communities, health professionals, uh, the work they all have a role to play in this. And um, I mean, the individual interventions, you know, are still necessary. But things like there's a thing called social prescribing. Which is where health professionals actually um, have someone who comes into them, say, and for whatever reason, they then say, "Well, actually, what I want you to do is you've got to go for uh, you've got to go and join a men's circle, mm-hmm. and um, oh, there's there's a, a book club I need you to join as well, and that's actually your prescription. Yes, and you can come back and see me in three weeks' time, and I just want to make sure that you've done those things. Yes, because the health benefits from that um, are going to outweigh probably whatever pill that they can have. There's, there's, no, there's no magic pill for these things. Um, so the individual actually being, being assisted with things like social prescribing, and it's even, even down to the way we design towns. If we don't have green space, if we don't have areas where people can go to, where they can, can um, where they can go as communities. I mean, you go, you know, if you're overseas and you're in um, Italy and the, the local piazza is where the old people sit around and natter and young people come and play and it happens every single day. Um, and it's, that is the local gathering place. Yes. Yet here we are, we're building more and more um, apartment blocks and things. And I was looking for a house about two years ago, looking for somewhere to live, and um, thought for a brief moment, oh, I might have a look at an apartment. Uh, just uh, so depressing. I mean, walking into these places where you walk down a corridor, your one door, sort of, you know, ten doors down on your left, yes. um, and then you walk in and you see all these people who never talk to each other. Yes, that's right. Yep. Um, and some some places are really good. There's there's organisations like there's a there's a mob called uh, I think their name's Nightingale, and theirs is about social inclusion. So they build build apartment blocks. Um, which actually is also about the community within them. Um, and so there's, there are people out there and organisers out there and planners and, um, who are understanding of this, but there's also a lot of lack of understanding of this still. Um, and we have to, as a, as a nation, get better at it because we, we want healthy and happy people um, and having an having a integrated... Um, society that looks out for each other is probably the best way of getting our health messages across to everyone. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, look, the, the collaboration is so much more uh, powerful than separation or you know, competition or comparison. And, and really, you know, they're those low levels of consciousness which we've been sort of pushed towards. But the social engagement um, is so much more relevant than social isolation. And really, that's you hit the nail on the head. Like, that's the way society's been designed in many ways. You know, um, you look at a lot of those towns and they're not inviting. You look at some of the, the cities and they're not inviting. But um, people feel like, you know, when, when people feel separated, they, they criticize others, they'll judge others, they'll judge themselves. But if they feel 
happy and and um, and nurturing environment, they'll start to open up and collaborate, and and that's 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 just you know humanology in its essence. You know, so I, mean, I, I don't know if I mentioned to you, but I worked around the prison system here in Queensland uh, a few years ago, and um, I saw just environments that were were just not inviting. They were very very denaturing. Uh, obviously, people in there because they've committed an offence. Uh, fair enough, but um, to be able to provide an environment where people feel like you know they they can actually like uh, engage can can help them so much. If they're in a traumatic environment, they get out and they've they've got not much to go to, then then that chance of reoffending is um is significant. But if you can actually like help people learn to be better people than what they were when they arrived in those places, that helps them be better people when they get out. And uh, I just think we've got so much to do in society to be able to um reinforce that um you know and the way we live has got a big part to to play in that but also the way we socialize and integrate um i think is um is really uh you know uh, an important part of uh being successful in modern life and you know, i'm really grateful that we're having the conversation because it'll open up uh, people's thinking around this sort of stuff and hopefully um you know as we discussed workplaces will start to identify it um Councils will start to identify it. They'll start to be uh, a little bit more aware with the way they approach uh, things moving forward to be able to make sure that there's um, a social responsibility, uh, I guess, uh, as well. Yeah, and, um, I mean, when you talk about the prison system, I, I, have to, I have to put my hand up and say, I really don't understand Australia's prison system. It doesn't make any sense to me. I thought, I thought when someone does do something that society deems as um, requiring them to go to prison. The idea was that we sent them there because we could help them mm. actually learn and change their behaviours. Um, that doesn't seem to be the way it works because we've given most of our prisons across to profit-making uh, organisations mm. and so they try and do it and make a profit, which is what their role is, mm. um, which means that the part about actually... Um, helping the people within the prison um, come out with some life skills that actually means they won't actually go about their previous ways mm. seems to be missing in the whole equation. And it's, that's the bit that doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense to me anymore. It's like, well, what do you think they're going to do when they come out of prison? Well, just on that, mate, it's, it's good business sense to be able to get a repeat customer. And, uh, you know... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you look at it from a business model, uh, that's the way they operate, you know, to be able to have someone come back through the doors again and keep the doors full or the, um, the place full. And, uh, and that's not the right approach to society. So we've got a lot, a lot of work to do in that, in that space as well as we have across all different levels, you know. And, um, uh, you know, certainly the more we can do to collaborate and, uh, and do things together, it doesn't matter... Um, you know, where we're from, what culture where we're from, you know, one, one thing with Australia is uh, we're from everywhere, you know, and, and you and I were brought up in the same era in those old, old country towns where it was quite judgmental and it took a lot of work for me to be able to move through all that sort of stuff. But, um, um, you know, now it's, uh, it's, it's much more open and, and collaboration, I believe, is, is key. You know, if someone's listening to this and they're finding themselves self-isolating or lonely in some way, do what you can, and it doesn't matter how uncomfortable it feels for you to make that first step. You know, take that first step to be able to engage in the, in the community you're in or engage in something which interests you. All of a sudden, you start to open yourself up, uh, you know, and it's very easy to close ourselves off. That's an easy thing to do. 
the growth always happens when we when we do things which are hard and challenging and um if you're finding yourself in that situation challenge is really what uh, is what is what's needed and um you know that's the way we've sort of got to go about supporting ourselves but also supporting others as well Simon would you agree yeah, absolutely. And it's a bit like, um, Aaron, the conversation we're having before off air, um, uh, realising that uh, we'd, we'd sort of bumped, bumped around the same sorts of areas and the footy teams and things. And you think back to, you know, when, when you played footy or rugby or whatever it might have been, and you were willing to train and, and work hard and try to be better and try and, you know, because you didn't want to leave, let the team down. And it's kind of strange that we don't do that for ourselves um, when we get older and we go, oh, okay, I'm probably not doing as, doing as well as I need to, but I need to, need to actually do some training or I need to, need to work on this aspect of myself because I don't think I'm as good as I can be. Mm. Um, and I can, I can be better and I can be happier and those people around me can be happier too um, and we can actually enjoy life more. Um, there's something I don't know. There's something that we we lose sight of along the way. It's like it's almost wrong for us to do it. It's um, and we've got to get back to realizing that it's it's okay to invest in yourself. Mm. It's fine, you know, and go ahead and do it because it actually no one loses. No, I agree, and that's a hard thing for us to do uh, to actually invest in ourselves because. Uh, we look at the, the short term uh, rather than the long term and what can actually happen from that. I Just personally, I've just invested into do, doing some more training myself and that was a bit of a hum and ha back and forth about can I afford it, can't I afford it. But once I made the commitment that I'm, I'm in, I'm engaged and uh, what can come from that can only be good because I'm going to engage with new people, learn new skills. That'll not only help me, it'll help other people as well. So that, that investment in yourself um, you know, can certainly come back tenfold. We're just going to try and make that, uh, that first step to do so as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and so if it's something as simple as going, okay, I just need to... Um, who was it? Someone was telling me the other day um, that their partner, I think I was getting my hair cut, and um, she was telling me that her partner had said to her recently, I just need to... I just need to know more, more blokes. I just need to be able to sit around and have a chat to some fellas mm. um, because he'd lost that in his life. Um, and so he, to his absolute credit, he went out and sought that. Um, and, um, you know, he now had, catches up with a couple of guys for coffee um, and has a few blokes that he catches up with, etc. But he actually was able to identify it and say, actually, that's missing and I really miss it. Mm, yes. Um, so that ability to just, you know, and, you know, the guy, from what I go, he's about 50, and so for him to do that and just go, I don't care what the social norms are, I, I just don't care, I don't care if someone thinks, thinks you know, it's a bit odd that I'm ringing up and say, do you want to catch up for a coffee? I, I need this, so I'll put it out there. And to his absolute credit, it's, um, he got what he wanted. He's now doing that. Mm, yeah, amazing. That, that's all it takes is that first step. And, uh, yeah, I, I see guys that, that, that come to our circles that were sort of ambivalent, but once they, they engage and they make a commitment to, to, to do it, then, you know, they open, open themselves up to changing. And, um, yeah, you do quite often get guys like that too that are saying, no, I can see a gap here, I'm going to make a difference, and they really move forward with it. And, uh, and that's, you know, that's full, full credit to them to be able to do so. But there's also guys, you know, that might be listening to this that feel stuck. 
So if you do feel stuck, you know, reach out to me. I can give you guidance. Reach out to Simon. Simon can give you guidance. And I'd like to know more about who, who, you, who the organisation is that you run, Simon. We haven't really talked about that, but I think it's um, it's doing some important work in the men's landscape in Australia. Yeah, so uh, Healthy Male actually started in 2000 um, as Andrology Australia. And, uh, look, basically, andrology is to men what gynaecology is to women. Um, because it was understood that there was nothing there for men's sexual and reproductive health. Um, I came along in about 2017 and realised that it was a bit... It was a little bit too focused just on sexual and reproductive health because you can't just focus on those things and not think about what men more holistically. Mm. Um, And so we broadened it and we called ourselves Healthy Male and we take a a broader look at men in terms of the way that they, for example, this research that we did um, 18 months ago was actually to look at what it is that stops men from going to... um, seek help for their health um, and we really want to get to the crux of um, what it was was the barrier to them going going there and uh, so one of the things we found actually out of this was that loneliness actually is one of the factors mm-hmm. that stops men from men with who are reporting high levels of loneliness are actually also saying that they don't take much care of their health um, they, they lose interest in it or, you know, for other reasons. So Healthy Mail looks at a range of these things. We, we always try and... We write things for the people who are reading them. So we don't try to get caught up too much in, the, you know, the, the medical language, etc. Sometimes you've got to use medical terms, but it's very much about guys being able to read the information they need. It's all evidence-based, but... That's our job, to interpret it into English. Um, we also do a lot of work with health professionals. We train them um, in certain health conditions and also try to help them in terms of uh, dealing with folks um, because the health system uh, tries to be quite generic in the way that it deals with everybody mm. and that doesn't work either for men or women. To be honest, it's um, they need to actually be more specific about the way they're trying to um, deliver healthcare, uh, and that's something that's you know we know for example, um, dads get left out of the mix, and we've done a lot of work with fathers. So um, we run a thing called Plus Paternal, um, trying to get men recognised within everything from sort of preconception right through to you know uh, the first first few years of life of the child, um, fathers aren't really part of the mix in a lot of cases. And there'd be a lot of people listening to this thinking of their own experience where, you know, radiographers don't even, don't even look at them when uh, their partner's having a scan. Um, you've got... Um, they, can't, they go in to see a... Well, they go in to see a maternal and child healthcare nurse... Um, with their child and it's 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 all about um, the wife and we're not saying things need to change the focus from the wife and the child because that's not it at all it's include the father um and it's okay you know ask ask the father what he wants to be called because he'll probably want to be called dad or something like that and that's okay um we can do that um so we do lots of that sort of work. Um, you can find us at healthymail.org.au. 
Um, we'll have a lot of information up there for Men's Health Week, for which is the 12th of June through to the um, 18th of June, um, for on loneliness. Um, but there's a lot of other health conditions and, and things that we cover off as well. Uh, so by all means, drop in and have a look. We've also got a YouTube channel, um, which is Healthy Mail. Um, I think that's the best way to do it is just type that into YouTube. Uh, and we're on all the other socials, um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I think that's about it. Amazing, mate. When you and I were young, we used to write each other letters. Yeah, <laughs> I, I still remember the first computer uh, that I got for work. So that's a bit sad, isn't it? <laughs> it is, mate. But uh, well, it just goes to show how much change we've seen in our lives and how we've got to adapt to that change and manage ourselves better in modern society and uh, be able to use well, these things. Yeah, that's right, Aaron. I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, life is about change, um, and. Things will happen during your life. Um, you might get divorced. You might have a friend die. Um, those things will happen during a, a lifetime um, for a lot of people. And it's about how you manage them. And, um, and so change is really confronting for a lot of people. Um, so accept that there will be change, accept that there is changes going to happen in your life and then think about how you can do something about them, the way they've made you feel um, and, you know, the negative emotions you've had, you've had from that and what you can actually do to, to get yourself back in a happy, healthy place. Yes, absolutely, mate. Well said. That's right. And that's what it's all about. We're, we're not here to struggle. We've really got to start to realise that we can thrive and make a difference in this lifetime and start to empower ourselves and, and not disempower ourselves and be disempowered, I think, is really important. And, you know, start to, to be curious and, uh, and not judgmental and really start to open up to what's possible in life because it's only short for us. We're only in these bodies for a short period of time and if we can um, start to realise that we can make the most of it and do things that are really proactive, but I think um, our lives can be much better. So I really appreciate the chat, mate. It's been, it's been an awesome um uh, opportunity to, to meet and connect with you and I'm sure we're going to have more more chats in the future so I really appreciate it. Excellent. Thank you very much for your time, Aaron. Cheers, mate.